Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Fired Up Radio. I am your host, Anthony Hanson. So great to have you guys with me today. So today I wanted to talk to you guys from the book of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And what I am titling this episode is Quitting is Not an Option, Part 1. Quitting is not an option. And this is what really came to me as I was studying the first chapter of James throughout this week. Um, So I'm going to give you guys a chance to go ahead and get to that portion uh, within your Bibles, whether physical or digital copy, um, wherever you're at right now on this Monday, or whenever you're listening to this, really. Um, And as you guys do that, I'm going to go ahead and praise and and then we'll dive right into this again James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 Lord we thank you for today because you are the creator of the heavens and the earth who have given us new mercies every day who loves us so much you gave your one and only son so we not see death but receive eternal life when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, Jesus, we give you permission to take charge over our mind, over our heart, over our soul, and over our spirit. You are the great teacher. You are the great shepherd. You are the great I am. So we give you permission right now to speak to us and in us and through us. By the activation of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we give you permission right now to deal with our hearts, to deal with our soul. Creating this a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us as as we dive into the book of James. May your word be made known. May it be like a light, a shaft of light in a darkened room. May you begin to expose the darkness within our hearts in our minds. May we come to a solemn moment of humility and submission and repenting of everything that we've done that has caused your spirit to be grieved. Father, we ask that your glory be made known and may we be a reflection of that glory through the reading and the teaching and the meditation of your word. We love you, Lord. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Amen. So James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 reads this. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be Mature and complete, lacking nothing. While reading this, I there were six major points that I believe are vital when reading this portion of scripture. And I say that because I went back to the time when I was in seminary, um, and they were teaching us on how to really begin to digest God's word by really not taking the obvious. 
one one good part about Bible study, whenever you get into that part, is stating the obvious. Make a good observation is an obvious observation when it comes to scripture. And what we did was we took multiple one verse or multiple up to three at least. We were given the challenge to find ten to maybe 40, 45 observations, if we could do it. And that's how I approached this passage, as well as what will come part two next week. And there were six main points that I believe that carry a lot of weight within this scripture, within this passage of scripture. And the first point that I want to make is the way that James starts off. Consider it. I find it interesting that James starts off with consider it. Because consider means to stop and mull over. To reflect. And to ponder upon change. So I look, I look at it and I see that James, that James the half-brother of Jesus, and an apostle, is challenging us to partake in the changing, into changing the mindset. It's for there to be a paradigm shift, a visual shift, a mental shift, an emotional shift at that. Because it pretty much sets up the rest of the other two verses when it comes to trials that we will face and how we will be able to endure such trials that we may be navigating through. So James is challenging us in changing the mindset. Now James is giving up, giving us a heads up. Not just to the new believers, but to the seasoned believers as well. Because it don't matter how many years you've been in the Lord. A trial will either knock you off your feet or it will cause you to stand your ground. Both reactions are perfectly fine and normal. But James is setting us up for success by telling us to alter the mindset in a way that will not just benefit us, but to benefit the process of trials. Right? So, it's for new believers and to prepare the seasoned believers as well, those who are in Christ, that there is an option as to how you can perceive what will take place. But he's saying it, he's almost, it's almost as if he's saying it like this, and this is how I read it. Is I want you to see it this way, so that it does not become a stumbling block, and you lose your hope and faith in the process. Now I know there can't be anybody in this world who's listening to me by the sound of my voice, who hasn't faced a trial, and asked God, where is he at? I know I put God on the stand sometimes. Whether it felt right or wrong, I can tell you it felt right at the moment because I was on an emotional roller coaster. 
But for instance, I ask God, where are you at in all this? In my marriage? In my living situation? Uh, in regards to my wife's health? In regards to the trauma that my children have endured? In regards to my financial situation? You know? Um, you end, you end up being wearing the same shoes. Or similar shoes in the sense of you just received a diagnosis from your physician and your future looks bleak. Yet you tithe every single every single time you get paid. You're faithful in the house of God. You pray, you're active in various ministries. You do a lot, yet you wonder why God hasn't healed you. You prayed and you fasted. You sought his face, but yet you hear nothing. Or maybe you're at a loss when it comes to finances. You've been a good steward, and yet some way, somehow, you're still in the red. Or you may be facing trouble relationally with your family or friends. You're wondering, where's God at in the midst of my children? being rebellious and just going wayward. Where is God at with my spouse when yet they want nothing to do with me, but yet they want to interact with those who are not me and partake in a relationship that's completely false. God, where are you at in all this? But yet, James is telling us to consider it. He's calling us to, for us to have a changing of the mind, a, a paradigm shift. The same, almost in the same manner that Paul brings about Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you gotta understand, the battlefield begins in the mind. It's not just some cliche. Because the same can go ahead and flick you to provoke emotions, then guess what? You've given him legal ground to go ahead and start dealing with not just your situation, but with you personally. Which gives permission to trauma and fear and doubt and passivity. Instead of you engaging in warfare, he wants to try to handicap you and arrest you mentally so in that way he can go ahead and choke the word out of you and not have light then you speaking life over the situation speaking life over your wayward child or spouse speaking life over your finances and your health speaking life over your friends and your family speaking life in your job site speaking life over every facet of your life where the word of God can be interjected and prayers can be made over over your neighborhood, over your church, over your leaders, over each and every area of your life. He wants to choke that out of you by first attacking the mind. Which is why I think it's important for us to take note that James tells us to consider it. He's challenging us to change our mindset from a pessimistic outlook 
to an optimistic outlook. From a pessimistic mindset to an Eeyore-like spirit to a mindset of just a rejuvenation and of life and just being able to, to, to withstand whatever comes your way. Now mind you, there's a difference between trials and temptation. But we're going to get into that in a minute. Okay. The second point is when is the phrase experience various trials. Okay. Paul James says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, where whenever you experience various trials. Now to break that up, experience being the first word of the phrase means that there's a time stamp on the trial. There's a time stamp in this obstacle, in this moment of resistance and in cultivation that takes place. It's a moment in time. Just like how we have the seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall, or harvest, there's, there's a season to plant, there's a season for growth of, of, of the land, and then there's the harvest season. Okay, the same way that there's a seasons, there's morning, noon, and night. It's the same manner when it comes to our trials. Experience meaning that it is not forever. Various being different degrees of difficulty when it comes to these trials. Many of them will be hard. Many of them will be moderate. Many of them will be easy. Some will be in between each of those three. But yet we're being told that there's going to be a varying level, various degrees of difficulty when it comes to the trials that we face. And the third word, being trials, notice how James puts it in the plural sense. Okay, meaning that we're going to be facing more than one. So to be surprised that we face one trial after another, after another, after another, don't be. Why? Because that's how you build up muscle. That's how you're able to build up resistance against the very things that try to come against you. Trials are meant to prepare you for the temptations that are about to come your way. Trials are meant to build, build you up, not tear you down. They're, me they're meant to make you strong, not to break you and make you weak. They're meant to ex exalt, exhort you, not to break you down and to make you depressed. Okay? That's the purpose of the trials. Versus temptation is to catch you at your weakness to where Satan has now legal ground to start destroying your life until... One, you recognize the sin. Two, repent of the sin. And three, renounce of the sin. And four, calling upon Jesus to pour out his spirit in that area of your life that has now been made void. Okay. But again, the second point is experience various trials. Again, trials do not last forever. A race lasts for as long as you run it. A competition lasts as long as every challenger has been defeated. 
It is never a one-and-done trial, but we will go through many. But do not just complete them just to get through it. Look for the purpose and see where you need to grow in your spiritual journey. Okay. Trials aren't meant just to get through it, but they're meant to help you grow and to build that area within your spiritual walk so that way you can withstand the enemy whenever he tries to attack that very area that he once thought was weak in your life. You don't get big biceps just by wishful thinking. No. You start with the 10, with the 10 pound dumbbells. Then you increase to 15, 20, 30, 45, 50, 65 pound dumbbells. You don't get a nice chest just by, just by wishful thinking. It's the same principle. You work up to it. Okay? You work up to it. Which leads to my, which leads to my third point. When James says test, when James gives the phrase testing of your faith, and it follows after this, you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith, this is the purpose of the trials, is to test your faith, to seeing where you're at. You don't know how good of a student you are just because somebody says you're a good student. No, you have a report card which gives a scale from A to F, A being passing, F being failing. But based on how you do in the class, that's how you know how good of a student you are. A trial is the same thing. It is the A trial is is the barometer which you use to see where you're at in your spiritual walk. Where you at where you at strength spiritually and how strong you become from where you were to where you are now. That's why you have midterms in high school and college. That's why you have your finals in college. Why? Because it is the barometer for the teacher to see where you're at and where you need to develop. And where you can go. Where, what is the highest ceiling you can get to. That's why God puts trials in our path. He doesn't tempt us. Okay. Tempting is the counterfeit of trials. Understand that. Temptation is the counterfeit to trials. Satan tempts us. God does not tempt because he cannot be tempted. And James says that later on in, in this chapter that we'll get into in a couple weeks from now. Okay. But testing of your faith, this is the purpose of the trials. The purpose is by no means to cause nor bring harm. Understand that. Trials aren't meant to harm. Trials aren't meant to inflict and to afflict pain. Upon you and me. That's not the purpose for the trials. Will we feel sore? Yeah. One who who's a bodybuilder gets sore after pumping, after after lifting weights for a while. 
if you're new to the gym, you go in and you start lifting weights like none other, thinking you could do what you did back in high school, guess what? You're going to feel sore the next day, and you're going to be out of commission for the next, what, week? I remember one time, I did my first marathon, my first half marathon. I could not walk at all after it. I went home, and I could not get off the couch. I was in so much pain. Why? Because it was my first time doing it. But after doing half marathon, after half marathon, after half marathon, the pain wasn't as heavy. I still felt sore, but it wasn't as bad as it was before, as my first time. Okay. Rather, remember testing of your faith, rather it is to build up and to calibrate your focus and your desire to be in alignment of your faith in Christ Jesus. Trials are just meant to calibrate you. They're meant to, 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 to get you to refocus on the goal at hand. That being Jesus. My, just like guardrails are on a highway to keep you in a section of the highway so that way you're not driving into oncoming traffic. Trials are meant to do the same thing. They're the guardrails of your faith to make sure that you stay on the path. Not to deviate from it. Not to falter to, to the desires of the flesh and the temptations thereof. No, it's meant to keep you focused. It's meant to keep you alert. It's meant to train you and to recognize that, th that, my, that my life on this earth hasn't ended. Because there's a greater purpose that God has placed on the inside of me. That's the goal and purpose of the trials. is to test your faith. Okay. The next point. Is. Produces endurance. Paul. James says. James says. Um. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, to the way that it produces endurance, okay, this is the fruit and or the result of the testing. Okay, this is the benefit you receive from the trials. This is the benefit you receive from being tested by God in his spirit. Okay, mind you, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of the 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted by Satan. Satan tempted him, but to God it was a trial for him to use his authority in what he has learned to combat against the enemy. Okay. The trial was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan tried to get at the weakness of Jesus because when you remove something out of your life that you're used to taking in, okay, now you've become vulnerable. Satan will see that vulnerability and try to attack it. But yet your job as a believer is to Always have the word on hand. Satan will use God's word and manipulate it to try to steal 
your birthright to try to steal what God has placed on the inside of you, but it's your job to study and to show yourself approved, Paul says. Okay, the same manner that Jesus studied and showed himself approved by combating what Satan used, which was God's word, with God's word. Jesus used the book of Deuteronomy against Satan when it came to the kingdom that Satan presented to Jesus, as long as he bowed down to him. When it came to turning the stones into bread, and when it came to jumping off of a cliff, because Satan knew that angels would be sent so that his foot not be dashed against the stone. Yet Jesus used scripture through and through to combat the very scripture that Satan was throwing against Jesus. Now, is it to say that the word is contradictory? By no means. Because guess what Satan did? He tried to use the scriptures and twist it for his glory, not for God's glory. Okay? But this is the fruit, the result of the, of the testing. Many wonder why we go through the various trials. It is to bring out something that is within us that we never knew was on the inside of us. When we give permission to the Spirit of God to work in us, through us, in us and through us, while going through the various trials, we put ourselves into a position to learn and develop. You'll never learn calculus if you don't have the teacher to teach you. You won't be able to learn how to do various things if you don't have the material in front of you to study and to read and to practice with. Okay? The only way a mechanic becomes a mechanic is if he gets his hands dirty, gets in, turns a few wrenches, reads the computer on, on cars, and knows what's, knowing what part needs to be changed out and how to fix it. That's how a mechanic is developed. That's how an auto technician develops his skill. The same manner here, the same principle applies. Is to put us in a position to learn and to develop. The man or woman does not just simply enter the strong man's competition, but one has to learn the proper form on how to do the various challenges. The same principle. Okay. In order to get the results that we want, we have to go through the trials which will produce the very thing that we're looking for. To produce the very thing that God has on the inside of us to come out. So in that way it becomes a testimony for all those who see and for all those who are willing to hear. Trials are meant to build us up, not tear us down. Remember that. So, the fifth point is the phrase, let endurance have its full effect. And it reads after, produces endurance. And it says, and let endurance have its full effect. Okay. And th this is where, this is where it really became real for me. Because many may be led to believe that this is a passive act. To let endurance have its full effect. It almost sounds passive, like we just stand back and let bygones be bygones and just let everything go as it, as, 
and let it go with the flow. No, that's not it. This is for us to be active in our submission to what God wants us to go through. This is us humbling ourselves, ejecting ourselves from our own agenda and our own desires, and allowing God to just have his way in leading us, having his spirit lead us through the various trials, so that we can come out on the other side with the blessing, with the honor bestowed unto us, and with the various and with our various needs met in accordance to his riches in glory. Okay? But many will be led to believe that this is a passive act when it is not. Like we were told earlier that the testing of our faith produces endurance, which is like a linked chain connected to an anchor. Based on how the anchor is dropped and positioned, a ship can either be capsized or withstand the storm. Just like the then disciples on the boat while Jesus was sleeping, they were freaking out and woke up. Jesus, they woke, they woke up Jesus demanding help to save the boat. Instead of panicking with them, Jesus told them, O ye of little faith. And then he spoke to the elements, that being the wind, the waves, and the rain. To be still. And in the same manner, another instance, again facing a storm, they see Jesus walking on the water, thinking that it was a ghost. And Peter calls out to him and says, If you are Lord, call me out to walk with you. And Jesus tells Peter, Come. Peter steps out of the boat in faith, and he's good for a little bit, for the first few steps. But then all of a sudden he gets distracted by the elements again. The wind and the rain and the waves. And what happens when Peter no longer has a focus on Jesus but on the elements? He begins to drown. And he calls upon the Lord to save him. Mind you, Jesus is a few yards away. Number one. Number two, Jesus got to be a really strong dude if he's catching Peter from drowning. Jesus literally reaches into the water and pulls him up out of the water and puts him back in the boat. Okay? Jesus is one strong dude, if that be the case. Okay? But Jesus tells, tells, the, tells Peter and the disciples again, O ye of little faith. Okay? Instead of realizing, instead of the, the disciples realizing who was with them, they were of a, they were of an anxious mind and were losing control instead of giving room to faith in knowing that Jesus was with them. The hold was with them while going through the storm. Okay, mind you, we see that now in hindsight because they didn't have that revelation before those two instances. They didn't. Jesus proclaimed that he was the Messiah to them, but they didn't really fully accept that. They didn't take that in as such. Okay, but yet, yet, they, yet, they, 
to leave later on. Okay. So, allow me to say this before I get to my final point. What elements are you... Let me actually ask this. What elements are causing you to lose focus? What elements are smacking you around? Like the wind and the wane, the rain and the waves that Peter was distracted by, that the apostles were scared with, scared of, because they were afraid that their boat was about to be capsized. What elements are you all of a sudden being distracted by? You know, we can easily be distracted. There's no doubt about it, especially in this day and age. There's distraction galore. And that's what makes our walk a little bit more difficult than the disciples. Why? Because we have more dis more distraction now than ever before. Literally, this is my third time recording this. This little message, Bible study, get together. Fifth time. And this is in the middle of the night. Practically, my boys are finally asleep. Okay? There's distraction after distraction after distraction. Because with Satan, as long as he can get you distracted and get your focus to shift away from Jesus, then he believes that he has room to go ahead and to take you away. Remember, we're told in the scripture to not give Satan a foothold. Okay? A foothold. In other words, Satan doesn't need much room. He just needs a crack within the doorway, a crack within the window to just get it and to go ahead and wreak havoc in your life. So again, I ask, what are the elements in your life that are distracting you from allowing Jesus to be your focal point? From allowing Jesus to be the center of your walk with him? Because mind you, it's a walk with Christ. Because we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. We're to walk down the aisle together. Okay. Yet. Where's Jesus at? Where's Jesus at in our lives? Is he the anchor of our hope? As I mentioned in the first, first, very first episode? Or is he just some other being that we just pray to on that we go visit on a Sunday. Jesus didn't ask for visitation rights. Jesus asked for all of you. Those who lose their life will gain it. Those who keep their lives will lose it. Okay. Which leads me to my fifth and final point. So that you be made so that you may be mature and complete. The whole, per the whole process of trials is so that we can reobtain the very image and likeness that we were created in. That being um, our Father that who's in heaven. Okay, the uncreated one. Okay. It's His image that we are made in the likeness of. Yet that's the purpose of the trials. The same way that gold and silver is purified seven to ten times over, removing the dross and putting back in the refiner's fire to draw out more impurities. In the same manner with the trials. It's the same thing. 
is to remove the impurities so we give more room for the Spirit of God to work within us and to have more space within our lives. Okay. There is an end result in all of this, and that is to be on the other side of heaven. But we are to go through the purifying process to become more like Christ. The Greek word for the word mature is the word teleos, meaning the goal, purpose, or end for which something exists or is performed. And I got and I found that from, from the Legionnaires Ministries website. But meaning what exactly? What does that mean? Well, while going through our individual process, God has determined our goal and purpose for His, for He is our Creator. Because we are a fallen creation, He wants us to return to Him in the former glory, that which is in His likeness and image. These trials and tribulations that are that we face on a regular basis, it's God putting us back together so we can benefit from his original intention in creating us. James, James gives us this notion in verse 18 when he stipulates that we are to be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We were created for a purpose, with a purpose and with an end goal in mind. That being what? To be with him once again, walking, walking in our given authority. Folks, I tell you this right now, don't quit. Don't quit. Because when you quit, you give room to Satan. When you quit, you just give up on everything, which is a definition of quitting. But when we quit... We lose all control, we lose all power, we lose all authority, we lose all dominion, we lose our purpose and our dignity in, in, in our um, in our righteousness. We lose it all, essentially, when we quit. When yet God has not called you to quit, but to persevere and to endure and to continue fighting and to stand your ground and to take back the very things that the enemy has taken taken from you. That is what's on the inside of you right now. And that's what he's calling for each and every one of us to do. To remind us that quitting is not an option. Rather consider it a, a great joy. Consider it a joy that when we go through various, when we experience various trials, that it, that it produces endurance. And to let endurance have its perfect work in us so we may be mature and complete. Meaning what? Well, Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. That's an unattainable standard in the human sense. But yet, through Christ and by the empowerment of His Holy Spirit in us, we're able to obtain perfection. We're able to obtain righteousness. We're able to obtain glory. 
we're able to obtain each and every aspect of who God is in our lives and who He is through the empowerment of His Spirit. So with that being said, I encourage you and I exhort you to not quit. Don't give up. Now is not the time to quit. Now is the time to stand your ground, to bury, to, 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 to get your feet in the dirt, to stand your ground, and to fight back whenever temptation comes. To take the trials, consider it joy, and consider all a joy, knowing that at the end of it, something good is going to come as a result of it. That something that's beneficial will be a result of these trials, the guardrails of which we travel alongside to get through the narrow gate, which leads to life. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are listening right now. Father, I pray that this word bless them as much as it blesses me to give it to them. Father, I pray that they that they see the trials that are in front of them and they recognize that it's meant to build them up, not tear them down. That it's meant to bless them and not curse them. Father, I pray that you, that you give them a new mindset. Father, that there be a paradigm shift, that, that there's a shift within their vision, that there's a shift within their spirit, that there's a shift within their soul and how they attack various trials that you have placed before them for the benefit, for their benefit, that they grow and develop and mature and that endurance have its complete work in, in allowing them and giving them the room to mature. We thank you, Lord, for today. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Because you're faithful and true in all that you say and all that you do. For heaven and earth may pass away, but your word, O oh God, forever remains. And you're the author and finisher of our faith. Therefore, we join with the angels in saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain, he who was and is to come, who seated in heavenly places at your right hand. We glorify your name tonight, O oh God today, O oh God. We praise you. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Well, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I love you guys. Hope to see you. Hope to hope that you guys tune in Wednesday for Warring Wednesday, taking about 30 minutes or so just to pray and make intercession and to just fight on your behalf as well as praying for the things of this nation and of this earth. Amen. And let there be a prophetic word go forth if the Lord allows it. Alright. I love you guys. Tune in next tune in Wednesday. Warring Wednesday. Again, this episode drops at seven thirty. Warring Wednesday drops at seven thirty. Wednesday, Central Standard Time. Love you much. Have a great day.